0: It's so good to feel God's presence today. Amen. No matter what weight you may have walked in with, it doesn't mean you have to walk out with them. Amen. It doesn't matter how life has grounds you down this week, God can build you back up. Amen. I'm so thankful this morning that we, can, we had this privilege where we can walk in and something that we could never hope to pay for or have enough money to purchase or be good enough to deserve is freely available to us. And I'm so thankful for that this morning. Amen. Let's give the Lord thanks again. Lord, we thank you, Jesus, for your wonderful presence. We thank you for what we feel here today. We thank you today for your presence is near. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles today, and would like to turn with me. At the beginning, I'll read two passages of Scripture. Uh, Exodus, the 20th chapter, verse 12. also read from Jeremiah the 35th chapter we'll read verses 6, 7 and 8 there so Exodus the 20th chapter verse 12 brother Nate's going upstairs for me he's going to be our media guy he wears so many hats we need to figure out a way to call him brother Nate wouldn't that be awesome Amen. I'll go ahead and read Exodus 20 and 12. It says, Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Amen. And then Jeremiah, the 35th chapter. Read there, verse 5. It says, And I set before the sons of the house of the Rechabites pots full of wine and cups, and I said unto them, Drink ye wine, But they said, We will drink no wine. For Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, commanded us, saying, You shall drink no wine, neither ye nor your sons forever. Neither shall you build houses, nor sow seed, nor plant vineyard, nor have any. But all your days you shall dwell in tents, that you may live many days in the land where ye be strangers next little while this is a little thought a pastor had asked me to preach and this was the only thing i had on my mind for the next little while i just want to talk about the commandments of our fathers man. the commandments of our fathers let's pray together well we thank you today for this opportunity lord to gather together in fellowship and unity Lord, in worship, Lord, and to hear the Word of God, I pray today that you would speak, Lord, and do the work that only your Spirit can do. Lord, my words are utterly inadequate. Lord, my thoughts are inadequate, God, but your Spirit and your Word, Lord, is sufficient for us. Lord, I pray that you would speak to the hearts and minds of these people gathered today and that your Spirit would have its way today. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated this morning. The commandments of our fathers. There is a people group, or a tribe of people, if you will, in the mentioned in the Old Testament called the Kenites. Um, The Kenites were descended from another people that if you've read your Bibles through, and no doubt many of you are endeavoring to do that right now, you may come across these names, people called the Midianites. You may even remember that Moses' father-in-law, when Moses ran from Pharaoh and went into uh, the desert in Egypt. His father was a priest of Midian. So uh, the Kenites were descended from the Midianites, and Moses's father-in-law, is said, was himself a Kenite. They were a shepherding-type people, or a nomadic people that were familiar with uh, the area of the desert uh, that we know as the wilderness, where the children of Israel, when, they, when Moses... Uh, obeyed the voice of the Lord and they led the children of Israel out of Egypt. They went to a land of wilderness for 40 years. And it was during this time that the children of Israel encountered many types of people. Some of them uh, were known for their wickedness and their evil ways. But the Kenites uh, ultimately were friendly toward the children of Israel. And one of them even uh, served as a guide, a guy named Hobab in your Bible, was a Kenite. And he served as a guide to the people of Israel and and the Bible records that they were uh, uh, they treated the people of Israel with kindness and the Lord honors people or honored people uh, or people groups that treated the children of Israel well if you blessed Israel the Lord blessed you and I believe that that tenet uh, or that um, that principle holds true today you'll see Many people that may not be Christian, so to speak, but uh, maybe they bless the people of God or maybe uh, they stay away from church and, and you'll see that people's lives can be blessed when they honor the word of God, when they follow the moral law. Maybe they don't live quite right, but they try to lead a moral life and, and God to some degree still blesses them. And I have seen people that, uh, that didn't come to church regularly, but they paid their tithes and their offering. The Lord honored that in their lives. Was there more they needed to do? Absolutely. But nevertheless, the Lord honors those that bless his people. In Judges, the first chapter in verse 16, it said, uh, And the children of the Kenite, Moses' his father-in-law, went up out of the city of palm trees with the children of Judah into the wilderness of Judah, which lieth south of Arad. And they went and dwelt among the people. So we find that not only were these people honored of the Lord or blessed because they blessed Israel, but they were allowed to live in the inheritance of the children of Israel. In the time of Saul and David and Solomon, uh, the Kenites dwelled in southern uh, Judah. In fact, it's recorded in 1 Samuel 15 how the Lord had told Saul to go and destroy the Amalekites. And if you know that that Bible story, of course, Saul didn't fully obey the Lord, but uh, the Kenites were dwelling at that time in an area around the Amalekites, and Saul sent them word and says, you better leave, because lest you be destroyed along with the Amalekites. So we find that some of the Kenites dwelt in cities, but some of them stayed true to their nomadic ways of life. One tribe or family group of the Kenites were called the Rechabites, and Jonadab, the son of Rechab, was uh, the Kenite. Actually, uh, you'll find him in scripture uh, where he assisted a man named Jehu in the destruction of the false god Baal and the uh, house of Ahab. Ahab and his wife Jezebel, of course, are famous for being some of the most wicked, uh, one of the most wicked royal couples in the Bible, Uh of course uh, Jezebel and she encouraged uh, the the worship of the false god Baal and they had all sorts of um, all sorts of rituals and, and things that went along with that worship that was in direct contradiction to what God's people were doing. It was bad enough that they were involved in the worship of Baal but they encouraged God's people to be in rebellion to him. He had told them that they should have no other gods before him, that he alone should be Worshipped and revered. But Jezebel led them astray, and she led them in, in the worship of Baal, and she even promoted that through supporting the prophets of Baal. So in Second Kings, the tenth chapter, a man named Jehu came on the scene, and he was setting about to destroying the worshipers of Baal and Ahab and Jezebel. Uh, it says. Uh, or the house of Ahab Ahab had died but he was Jehu set about to destroy the house of Ahab and Jezebel and the worship of Baal it says in 2nd Kings 10 and verse 15 and when he was departed thence he lighted on Jonadab the son of Rachab, coming to meet him and saluted him and said to him is thine heart right as my heart is with is thine heart right as my heart is with thy heart and Jonadab answered it is If it be, give me thy hand, and he gave him his hand, and he took him into the chariot, and he said, Come with me, and see my zeal for the Lord. So they made him ride in his chariot, and he came to Samaria, and they slew all that remained unto Ahab in Samaria, till he had destroyed him according to the saying of the Lord, which he spake to Elijah. Goes on to say that Jehu gathered together all the people and said unto them, Ahab served Baal a little. Uh, but Jehu shall serve him much. In other words, he deceived some people and he gathered together all the worshipers, all the prophets of Baal and caused them to have a congregation. And when they came together to worship, Jehu had armed men without. And he says, if you let even one escape, it's going to be your life that's lost instead of theirs. And so in that moment, he sent in uh, the armed men and they slew the prophets of Baal. It says they brought forth the images out of the house of Baal and they burned them. Verse 27, they break down the image of Baal and break down the house of Baal and made it a drought house unto this day. And Jehu destroyed Baal out of Israel. And you know who was side by side with Jehu at that time? Was a man named Jonadab. Jonadab the Rehobite, which was a Kenite. These people were not ethnically Jewish But it seems they came to respect and to adopt the ways of the Lord. Jonadab's descendants uh, stayed true uh, to their heritage and they remained uh, a nomadic people. And we find in the book of Jeremiah, the 35th chapter, where these descendants of Jonadab uh, were tested by the prophet Jeremiah. The word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah from the Lord in the days of Jehokim. And he told Jeremiah, said, Go to the house of the Rechabites and speak unto them and bring them into the house of the Lord, into one of the chambers and give them wine to drink. Then I took Jezaniah the son of Jeremiah, the son of Hazaniah and his brethren and all his sons and the whole house of the Rechabites and I brought them into the house of the Lord, into the chamber of of the sons of Hanan, and the sons of Igdala, a man of God, which was by the chamber of the princes, which was above the chamber of Messiah, the son of Shalom, the keeper of the door. Now that's a whole mouthful right there by itself. And I set before the sons of the house of the Rechabites, pots full of wine and cups, and I said unto them, Drink ye wine. But they said, We will drink no wine, for Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, commanded us, saying, You shall drink no wine, neither ye, nor your sons, forever. Neither shall you build house, nor sow seed, nor plant vineyard, nor have any. But all your days you shall dwell in tents, that ye may live in the land where ye be strangers. Verse 8, Thus we have obeyed the voice of Jonadab, uh, the son of Rachab our father in all that he charged us, to drink no wine all our days, we, our wives, our sons, nor our daughters, nor to build houses for us to dwell in, neither have we a vineyard, nor field, nor seed. But we have dwelt in tents, and have obeyed, and done according to all that Jonadab our father commanded us. So we find here uh, that you have these people that have been obedient to the word uh, of their father. Not, a, uh, not necessarily the word that came to their father from God. But nevertheless, Jonadab their father was a man who stood with uh, a man chosen of God named Jehu to destroy Baal. So he was a, he was a man that had a good heart. He was a man uh, that came to appreciate God and the things of God and adopted some of the righteous ways of the God in whose land he dwelt. And he told his sons that he didn't want them to drink wine. And I began to to ponder this in my mind. Of course, we have a passage of Scripture, or several passages of Scripture, and it's well known that apostolics abstain uh, from indulging in wine and alcoholic beverages. We know that uh, Proverbs 20 and 1 teaches us that wine is a mocker, and strong drink is raging, and whoever is deceived thereby is not wise. And the Bible talks about drunkenness being a work of the flesh so we have good founding principles for that Um, but I I began to think why was it that Jonadab told his, his children not to drink wine well maybe he saw the value in abstaining from wine but maybe it was because he knew they were sojourners they were ultimately visitors in this land and he didn't want there to be conflict between his children and those of the children of Israel he says, "Don't sow seeds." In other words, you can't have you can't have farms. You can't have land. Maybe he didn't want them to uh, to have big properties and things that the children of Israel uh, could covet. He said, "Plant no vineyard," and he also took the loopholes out. He said, "Don't have a field. Don't have a vineyard, or don't plant a vineyard, nor have any." So don't. Not only are you not to plant them, but don't take possession of them. Don't build houses and don't have. Possession of houses, but dwell in tents or remain true to your uh, your um, roots as a as a nomadic people. And uh, he says, "Do this, that you may live many days in the land where you be strangers." He was a smart enough man to know that the hand of the Lord was upon the nation. Of Israel, he was smart enough to realize that even though you may not have a house, and even though you may not have many vineyards and crops, uh, nevertheless, if you bless the people of the Lord and you dwell within Israel, my people will be blessed. And so he gave them these commandments, and he gave them these principles. And we find in this passage of scripture that though these things may be hard for our modern minds to comprehend, uh, the people that descended from Jonadab obeyed his voice and they did all that he had commanded them. In this, they were the exact opposite of the children of Israel who had the revealed name of the Lord, who had the commandments of the Lord, the people that God Almighty Himself loved so much that He continued to send them messengers and prophets whom they continually ignored. And whenever they would repent and go back to the Lord, there would become just a short amount of time that they would be back into idolatry worship, back into fornication, back into breaking the commandments of the Lord and the Lord brought these people before Jeremiah and said set pots of wine before them we're going to test their integrity we're going to test and see if they'll hold true to it and they did and the Lord said Because Israel, basically, because Israel is not like you. Because Israel has not hearkened to my voice. All the things that I said I would do to them in punishment, I am going to do. Nevertheless, those uh, that are the descendants of Jonadab, they shall not want a man to stand before me forever. All of this happened because these people obeyed the commandment of Jonadab there father Exodus 20 and 12 honor thy father and thy mother that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God gives thee this commandment in, in, in Exodus 20 uh, was not written to these people they were outside of the, uh, the covenant they weren't Jewish people nevertheless because they obeyed this the Lord honored it in their lives We find in Ephesians 6 and 1, the Apostle Paul wrote, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, that thou mayest live long on the earth. Uh, He said, Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment, that it may be well with thee, that thou mayest live long on the earth. It's the first commandment with promise. You want to live a long, prosperous, healthy life? Obey the words of your father. Obey the words of your mother. But Paul took it a step further. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. For this is right. The key that I see across these various scriptures that I've read this morning is to be obedient. To simply obey. Obey even when you do not understand uh, the commandments that you are being taught. When you don't understand why the line has been drawn, you still need to obey. When you don't understand why the fence was built, where it was built, you don't need to move the fence. You need to observe the fence and ponder the question, why was the fence there? And trust that the fence or the boundary has been placed there for your, with your best interest in mind. Amen. It has been said many times in this pulpit, and it will be said many more times, the battle in our lives begins where the line is drawn. It's where the boundaries are placed that the struggle begins in our lives. And There was a, a man of God that spoke a word into my life in 2001, uh, at, a, at a meeting, and it's a famous message that he preached. Uh, Reverend Scott Graham preached a, a masterpiece of a message called, Where Does the Mountain Begin? And I will not endeavor to re-preach his message, but essentially when the children of Israel were at the holy mountain and Moses went up to get uh, the commandments from God, God told him, uh, do not let the people touch the mountain, for if they touch the mountain, they will surely die. And the man of God went on to preach a message about where does the mountain begin. It was up to Moses to define where the children of Israel could go to. And he was standing between them and the righteous holy anger from a God that was not playing games. So I ask you today in your life, Where are the boundaries? Where are the old landmarks that have been placed in our lives? The words and the teachings that have come down to us from our elders and from our forefathers that have said this is a dangerous place. Warning, beware, this is a landmark, this is a boundary, this is a fence. It wasn't put there to hurt our feelings. It wasn't put there to hold us back. It wasn't put there to make us socially awkward. But rather it was put there because they knew that there was danger on the other side of that fence. There was danger on the other side of that property line. There are fences and there are boundaries that have been put in place not to keep us in, but to keep other things out. There are hedges that have been planted to keep out the wolves and to keep out those things that desire to destroy the flock of God. Hebrews, the 13th chapter. The writer here is sort of like a father that is giving instruction uh, to his people. He tells them things like let brotherly love continue be forgetful be not forgetful to entertain strangers for thereby some of you have entertained angels unaware he's telling them all sorts of good things and then in verse 17 he says obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch out for for they watch for your souls as they must give account that they may do it with joy And not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Again, we see the instruction uh, of a father-type figure to someone saying, Obey them that have the rule over you. And do what? And submit. Obey and submit. Now, as a good red-blooded American, I find it hard sometimes to obey and to submit. It is in our national DNA. Amen. When someone tells us to do something, we want to know why. If someone tells us to do something, we want to say, I want to do it my way. If government wants to put their foot on our neck, we say, get your foot off my neck. But that's not the way it is in the kingdom of God. Our, our national DNA, if you will, is sometimes uh, in juxta- is juxtaposed against what it's like in the kingdom of God. To trust, to obey, to submit kind of cuts against our human Grain, it cuts against our flesh. I I don't want to submit, I want to do things my way, I want things to be my way. Amen. I, 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 I want a good explanation in my flesh for why I do things, but sometimes I have to hear the voice of those that God has put in my life, and He's put there, and trust that He's put them there for a reason. He's put them there to speak into my life, and to speak warnings into my life, and say, this area is dangerous for you. Sometimes there are places that I can't go that other people can go because it may not be as dangerous for them as it is. For me, but we need to listen to the voice of God through, uh, through anointed, holy, righteous men of God uh, that have been put into our lives, and we need to submit our will to them. As, as hard as it may be to accept that in, into your spirit today, you have to learn to submit yourselves to the elders that God has put into your life. Why? For they watch for your souls. They must give account, the Bible says. They must give account. This ruling that the Bible is talking about does not equate to a dictatorial power or a domination, but rather it is referring to leading people by one's example of faith and the faithful declaration of the Word of God. No man of God uh, really has the right to stand up there and tell you exactly what to do and to dictate every, every decision you make and how you spend your money. But rather they are to stand up here and, and to say what thus saith the Lord. And when they give me good solid advice and I know they've been praying and they've been seeking the face of God for my life and I know they've been fasting and praying for my family when that man of God comes to me and says something you need to do so and so or I recommend that you not do so and so I need to be humble enough to submit myself and say yes okay pastor I submit to the word of the Lord Look at Paul's example in his letter to the church of Corinth. He says, I write not these things to shame you, but as my beloved sons, I warn you. We have to understand that the man of God in our life says things and corrects, amen, gives reproof, gives instruction not to shame us, not to hurt us, not to harm us but rather they look upon us as beloved sons and daughters. And they're not trying to shame us, but they're trying to help us. Paul says, for though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet have ye not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. I've had many, many instructors along my, my, my journey of faith. I've had many people speak wonderful things into my life. I've had Sunday school teachers and and people that were guides. I've had faithful elders that that spoke into my life and prayed with me. And I've had people uh, prophesy and, and give me words of faith and words of encouragement. But I can honestly say that I've only had a few fathers in the Lord. I've only had a few men of God that spoke into my life. Amen. We have few fathers. You, know, you understand today that the Lord has put men of God in your life with a special calling. They're, they're not someone that comes a, a dime a dozen, but it's someone that the Lord has placed in our lives for guidance, to give us instruction, to give us commandments, to speak what thus saith the Lord. My very, my very, very first pastor was, a, was an elder by the name of Norse Poole. In fact, he He married my parents um, in 1980, and I was born in 82, so he dedicated me to the Lord, and I suppose he was my pastor until I was maybe the age of four or so. Uh, But our families remained close. He he moved and took another church, Uh, but we remained close, and he was still in the area, and from time to time, we would bump into them, and uh, it was after my father and mother moved, uh, followed the calling of the Lord, moved to Mississippi, and... uh, and they began a work of the Lord over here that uh, at one point we were back in Louisiana where I'm from for some event. I forget exactly the occasion. But I, I bumped into Brother Poole in a social hall and um, he, he, he had this way about him. Now, I don't know if you guys remember some of the old elders. They, uh, the old elders, they didn't just pat you on the back and tell you how good you were doing. That's not, that wasn't in their nature. they, they would love you, but they, they started asking questions. Are you reading your word? Are you studying the word of God? Have you, have you been praying? Have you been fasting? They wanted to check up on you and make sure you were doing right and he had a little bit of a vested interest in me, and uh, so he, he began to ask me those kinds of questions. but he he would begin to ask me about music. He, uh, he said, "Are you playing music? Yes, sir. I'm, uh, at that point, I had just started playing bass guitar and he he, uh, he. I'll never forget it, this elder put that little, he had that finger, he put that bony finger on my chest and he said, don't you ever use that talent for the world. Don't you ever play in the bars. Don't you ever play in the honky-tonks. And uh, he told me that. Don't you ever do that. And that has stuck with me over the years. But I'm going to tell you, I've had some opportunities with people I've Associated with and in circles outside the church to do some of those things. People that were having jam sessions that they weren't playing Christian music at. People that were ended up singing in open night, open mic kind of things and have little bands that play at the little clubs. and, and And I was, I had the opportunity to move in some of those circles. But somewhere in the recesses of my mind, there was a voice. And a finger poking me in the chest that said, don't you ever use that God-given talent that God has blessed you with to magnify and worship anything other than God. You stay out of those bars because you understand that same man of God had a son that also played bass guitar that didn't listen to the commandments of his father. And he didn't stay out of the bars. And he ended up living lives with his family ended up busted up. Multiple marriages and, and things. He too heard the voice of a man of God. He too was raised in a man of God's house. Nevertheless, he did not uh, obey. He did not listen. He did not hearken to a man of God in his life. And he ultimately lost out with God. I don't want to lose out with the Lord. I I don't want to go moving some boundaries and some fences just because I don't understand why the boundary is where it's at. But it's up to you and to me and to all of us to hearken to the voice of the fathers that are put in our lives. There's probably been a Jonadab or two in your life that's saying don't drink wine and and don't build houses and, and don't plant vineyards and don't plant fields. And you're scratching your head and saying, why can't I plant a vineyard? Why can't I be like these other people and have a field? But the man knew what he was talking about. Ultimately, His people were blessed. In Jeremiah 35, Jeremiah said unto the house of the Rechabites, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. Now, it's key here. I'm going to point this out. It's obvious, but this wasn't, Thus saith Jeremiah, or Thus I speculate. But he says, Thus saith the Lord of the hosts, of the God of Israel, because you have obeyed the commandment of Jonadab, your father. Not because you've kept all my commandments. Not because you've sacrificed and lived a perfect life. But because you kept the commandments of your father. And kept all of his precepts. And done all according unto all that he hath commanded you. Amen. What did they do? They... Did they understand? I don't know what level of understanding they had of their ancestor telling them that. But nevertheless, they were faithful and they were true to the commandments that that Jonadab had given them. Thus saith the Lord of hosts of the God of Israel, Jonadab the son of Rechab shall not want a man to stand before me forever. Now there are some scholars that, that have said that the people of Jonadab intermarried with the people of the tribe of Levi and they stood and became uh, became to serve in the house of the Lord and I I don't have any proof exactly of that and I can't say that exactly happened but what I can say is the Lord gave them an exceedingly precious promise that they should they would not lack a man to stand their name their family, would be perpetuated for as long as Israel's is. As long as, just as sure as God promised Abraham uh, that his, that his uh, descendants would be like the sands of the seas or the, the stars in the heaven. Just as sure as he promised Moses and the children of Israel and gave promises to David, the promise that he gave to the descendants of Jonadab were true and correct. If, 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 if what he told Abraham is true, what he told the descendants of Jonadab is true, and I personally believe that to this day, there are descendants of his. They don't know it. They probably don't know who they are. But somewhere on this earth today, I believe that they are still breathing and drawing breath. Why? Because of something someone did thousands and thousands of years ago. Someone was faithful to the commandments of there father amen isn't the lord good today you know it's something when the when the commandments of our father come to us it's important how we accept those words it's important how we accept reproof and how we accept correction it's important that our attitude be correct amen there's many times that the lord Will deal with us about uh, maybe it's a personal conviction y'all, y'all know about personal convictions anybody have any of those? Hey Amen I pray to the Lord that you have some if you don't uh, if you don't go to prayer and, and, and you focus on I promise you the Lord'll convict you of some things i 'm talking about just just personal convictions sometimes the Lord will deal with you about things and and maybe we don't accept what the lord's saying to us and then He reproves us. He sends a man of God and and speaks into our life. And it's important how we accept that correction. Do you not know that the Lord chastens those that He loves? Parents, if you love your children, you correct them. I I, I see uh, oftentimes, and you don't have to go very far nowadays, that if you're out in public and you see parents with children, they don't believe in correction. My family, the way I grew up, was they literally, they took the scripture literally. It's, Spare the rod, spoil the child. <laughs> they took that literally, and uh, I packed my share of whippings, I can promise you that. But, uh, you know, and I'm out in public, and sometimes I see people that do not correct their kids. You know, it's, it's huh, and what, and yes, and no, and I'm not doing that, and it's pitching fits in the middle of the store and the supermarket. And it's telling their parents what they will and will not do. Um, And you look at folks and you're thinking, do you love your child? If you love your child, you will not let that rebellion within them fester and grow. But you'll correct it. You'll correct it out of love. You'll correct it out of a place of wanting uh, with their well-being in mind. You place it, uh, you correct them. And and that's the way the Lord looks at us. He corrects us. Why does he correct us? Because he knows that that seed of rebellion takes, takes root in my life. If that, if that seed of rebellion grows, it's going to bring forth fruit of rebellion. Therefore, he corrects us out of a place of love. The psalmist David had a lot to say about the ways of the Lord. About the commandments of the, word of the Lord. He says, Oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes. He says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereunto, according to thy word. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. He said, Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me. Thy statutes. With my lips have I declared all the judgments of Thy mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of Thy testimonies as in much as in all riches. As much as He loved all the riches of the world, He loved the word, the testimonies of the Lord just that much. He said, Thy testimonies are also my delight and my counselors. My soul faints for thy salvation, but I hope in thy word. How sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through thy precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Thou art my hiding place and my shield. I hope in thy word. Order my steps in thy word and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. Thy word is true from the beginning and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. He said, Great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them. There's there's a a dichotomy. There are those that, that love the law, even when it stings them, even when it corrects them, even when the Word of God is contrary to the fleshly nature of our humanity. We need to love the Word of the Lord. There are commandments and precepts and principles that have come down to us from godly men. And they stand in pulpits all over this world preaching Word of God. Preaching it in fear. Preaching it out of admiration for the Lord. Preaching it with a holy and righteous anointing. Preaching it because they have been called and sent to a people that need to fall in love with the Word. To fall in love with the precepts of God. Understanding that the only choice and the only chance that we have to make heaven our home is as we are obedient to the Word of God. Stand with me this morning. There have been fathers, spiritual fathers, that have spoken into my life, and I'm so very thankful today for those men that have spoken into my life. And and they've told me things sometimes that I did not want to hear. They've been like Jonadab, and maybe they've told me things that I did not understand. They've told me that there were things that were uh, perhaps harmful to me and I didn't see the dangers of it. I can remember one battle in my life particular and I'll be a little transparent with you guys today. Is that okay? Can I be a little human with you? Be a little transparent with you all today? There were men of God that began to, that were preaching and, and of course for years uh, Pentecostals have preached against secular music and the dangers of indulging your mind in secular music it's and it's it's a dangerous slippery slope there's just no question about it there are things uh, that are sung about in songs today that if you listen to it in mixed company you're, the holy ghost ought to convict you and embarrass you because of the raunchy lyrics and the dance moves things of that nature that are just straight rebellion and out of the pits of hell but when you're a young person you don't want to hear those things and one of the great struggles of my life was because I at times did not always heed those warnings I'm just being transparent with y'all this morning as a young person I, I, I was I, on the one hand I had the men of God and they were praying for me and I was faithful to church and I was doing things but sometimes I would dabble in it let's just be honest sometimes K-Love stinks being honest with you, I mean, if I'm just being straight up, there's only so much of that I can take. There's only so much Hallelujah FM I can take at a time. There's only so much Southern Gospel that I can listen to. It gets monotonous sometimes. And nowadays, we have we're fortunate enough that we have great apostolic uh, artists that are taking off. And Music and music, and we're making great strides in those efforts, and I thank God for them. Amen, but there's only so many choir songs and CDs you can listen to, and, and my radio dial would frequently go to other stations where it could, shouldn't have been going. And that was a, a thing because I did not heed their warnings. There were some battles and some things I had to fight uh, in my life that I would not have had to fight had I listened to the words and the warnings of men of God that preach words that I did not uh, fully comprehend and understand. You don't understand it. it's not hip to listen to American Family Radio. It's not hip at school when you don't know rap lyrics. Now you look back on some of those songs, you realize just how ridiculously silly they are. Too Legit to Quit. What does that mean? What does that mean, Brother Dwayne? Too Legit to Quit? I don't know. (laughs) What is that? I, I thought that was cool, man that was cool. I wanted to be like everybody else. And that, that song was innocent enough, but then it leads to other songs and to other concepts and to other things. And before you know it, you're battling things in your mind and in your spirit. You've opened a realm to things that you didn't even know were out there that they exist and you end up fighting spiritual battles that you never would have had to fight had you simply listened to the voice of some fathers. And And that's just one example. It could go, I'm sure every one of us today could reflect on our walk of faith and look back at some decision or choice or warning that went unheeded or word that went unheeded or time when we didn't accept correction with a good attitude. And we look back and we say, you know what? I wish I'd heeded the command. There is a God today that loves us. There's a God that cares for us. And though sometimes we wish we were like the children of the Rechabites, the descendants of Jonadab, the truth is a lot of times if we were to compare ourselves, we more resemble the children of Israel sometimes in there. Rebellion in their ways. In the next chapter, we're not going to go into it, but too much. But Jeremiah thirty-six. The Lord told the prophet to have his scribe record all the things that he had prophesied, record all these things, and send them to the king. The Bible tells us that the king, as the scribes would read off a page of the scroll. Tear it out, he'd throw it in the fire. The scribe would read another another bit. The king would tear it out, throw it in the fire. The word of the Lord was written there. Don't do this. Because you've done this, I'm gonna bring judgment on Israel. Because you've, uh, because you've went against the law of God, judgment's coming. Repent, judgment's coming. Repent, judgment's coming. Shh. God has sent men of God, prophets of old, but today we call them pastors, evangelists, and preachers. He's put them in our lives to say, God loves you, but you need to repent. God loves you, but you need to change your ways. God loves you, but you need to start doing right. BJ, God loves you, but you need to turn it off that rock station. BJ, God loves you, but you don't need to be singing those lyrics. BJ, God loves you, but you need to stay out of the bars and out of the dance halls because it's not profitable for your soul.